the events that are taking place, they're not random. God has a plan, God has a reason, and this would result not only in the, the victory of Jericho, but it would also result in Rahab's salvation because she became a direct descendant of Jesus. So God went looking for Rahab in a very dark hour. And some of you may be in a very dark place right now. And God is asking you this, through all these circumstances, will you trust him? Will you put the pen in his hand and allow him to write your story? Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God. And I wanna thank you for joining me for this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. This message is part of a series called Running with the Giants, and it's based off the faith giants mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. What if a faith giant could come out of the grandstands of heaven, take a lap with us, and encourage us on our faith journey? In this message, we are focusing on the faith example of Rahab. What would Rahab say to encourage our faith? I pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear the Word of God shared in this message. So uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going to start a new series and it's based on the heroes of faith mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, the key verse for our series is gonna be Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. And the reason for that is this, uh, chapter 12 is simply a continuation of uh, chapter 11. And you can, you'll see it reflected in the very first word, which is therefore. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which uh, so easily ensnares us and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's gonna be our key verse throughout this series. And uh, a number of years ago, uh, John Maxwell, which is kind of like a, a Christian guru leader. He, he wrote a book on, these, on the faith heroes listed in chapter 11, and he called it uh, Running with the Giants. So I can't think of a more appropriate title for this series. So we're going to let John let us borrow his title, whether he likes it or not. And uh, that's going to be the title for this series. So if you've ever been to a major sporting event uh, and, and just kind of watch the, the game, you, can, you always hear this muffled noise, the, the crowd noise, and it's indistinguishable. And sometimes you hear cheers and you hear roars, but most of the time the, the cheering is indistinguishable. Just, it's just voices. But wouldn't it be great if you could just, as a, as a player participating, you could hear the voices of those fans, those individual voices, what they're saying. Hopefully they're cheering for your team. You want to hear those voices. You don't want to hear the other ones. But imagine this, just imagine this picture that, that these heroes of faith, they're in the grandstands of heaven, they're, they're looking down, they're, they're watching us, and they're encouraging us. What if we could hear what they would say to us? What if they would come out of the stands, come onto the field, and just encourage us? What would they say? So that's what we're going to kind of imagine as we go through this series. And today we're going to focus on, on one of those uh, that are the great cloud of witnesses talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. That's Rahab. And here's what we know about Rahab from the book of Joshua. We know that she was a prostitute and that her home was built into a section of the wall. Her, her home was literally built into the wall that surrounded Jericho. But here's what's really cool about her story. She ends up becoming one of the great, great, I don't know how many greats, one of the great grandmothers of Jesus. And, and just think about this for a moment. Jesus was fully God and he's fully man. So the DNA that is going through his body as a human 
is the DNA that, that Rahab passes down to Jesus. The, the same DNA that flowed through her flows through him. And I think that's just truly an incredible story when you think about it. But her story doesn't start out so incredible. And I'm sure that if you were to talk to her, if she was to come out of those stands and talk to us today, she would tell us this, that my life didn't start off all too well. I'm sure growing up, she didn't have any aspirations of becoming a prostitute. Like Rahab, some of us are in this position in life where we, we think about this. God, is this really going to be my story? I mean, is this really the plan that you have for my life? This life that I'm living now, is this really what you want for me? And I want to encourage you and just remind you that in spite of what you're going through or what you've experienced, God has a plan for you. We see that reflected in Psalms 139, verse 16. It says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And check this out. In your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So God has fashioned some days. He's, he's prepared some days for us to walk in. And I don't think we should ever lose sight of that truth. No matter what you've went through or you've gone through, remember that God has fashioned some days for you. And unfortunately, we, we even believe some myths and there are some myths that we tend to believe. And some of us believe that we can't come to Jesus, experience his plans because of the life that we've lived. And that's just simply not true. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't allow that lie to set in and, and cloud this promise. God has made us a promise that he's created some days for us and some plans for us. And he wants us to walk in them. So think about Rahab as a prostitute. Maybe, maybe she was forced into prostitution. Maybe she made that choice. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I don't care what the circumstances were, whether by choice or by force. But I guarantee you this. Every time she entertained a man, she felt shame. And I'm sure that shame would set into her. And, and what she experienced was, is this really the life that God has for me? And see, we don't know her circumstances, but we can identify with her. In spite of her shame, in spite of her, her past, God uses her in an incredible way. So don't allow shame to lie to you because God has a plan for you. Shame will lie to you every time. Just remember what God's word says. So here's what we know about Rahab from the book of Joshua. She, she helps the Israelites who are spying on, on Jericho. And in turn, with her, with her uh, cooperation, uh, her life is spared. And, and as Jericho is destroyed, her life is spared. But we know that's not the end of the story. That's not all we, we know about because we know that something great happens after this. Something great happens in her life after Jericho. Because again, we find her in the lineage of Jesus. And again, she is listed in Hebrews as a hero of faith. She's not there by accident. She's there for a reason. So what advice could Rahab give us today? What, how, should she, how could she come out of the stands, the grandstands of heaven, from that great host of witnesses? What, what could she say to us today? And I think she could say this, God is writing a story for you, but you have to take the pen out of your hand and put it into his hand and let him write the story for you. I mean, that goes right along with scripture, Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So if we're going to live the life that God has planned for us, days that he's fashioned for us, at some point, we're going to have to take the pen out of our hand. And we've got to place it into the hand of God and let him write our story. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Here's the first thing I want you to see in the life of Rahab. And I think it's true for all of us. 
Number one is this, that God sought Rahab. He's the one that, that went after Rahab. See, we don't find God, he finds us every time. If you would have told me as a teenager that I'm going to be, one day I'm going to be a pastor, I would have asked you what you were smoking. Because I just, I would, that was not even on my radar screen. So I'm just saying God comes after us. He initiates it. He initiates the process. He seeks after us. And we don't find God, he finds us. And when we're writing our own story, that's when God begins to tap on us. Often in our darkest moments, uh, comes, God comes searching for us. And look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 2. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. We see clearly that Rahab doesn't go looking for these spies. They come looking for her. And remember, God had given Israel the land. They, they simply had to, to live out the battles. They had to go and fight the battles and God would give them victory. So God was sending Israel to Jericho. Joshua, as we recall, well, he's the leader that takes over after Moses. He sends the spies into the land. The spies go into Jericho and they, they find Rahab there. What, what am I trying to say about it? My point is this, that God is orchestrating all this. The events that are taking place, they're not random. God has a plan. God has a reason. And this would result not only in the, the victory of Jericho, but it would also result in Rahab's salvation because she became a direct descendant of Jesus. So God went looking for Rahab in a very dark hour. And some of you may be in a very dark place right now. And God is asking you this, through all these circumstances, will you trust him? Will you put the pen in his hand and allow him to write your story? It makes me think of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Just one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And this is what Jesus stands. says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. See, God can bust down that door if he wants to, but he doesn't. He doesn't choose that. What does he do? He comes and he knocks. He simply knocks because he wants us to open up the door for him by faith. And just he, so he stands at the door and he knocks and, he, and he's pleading with us to invite him in. So even in our darkest hour, God makes a way for us to enter into his story and let him write it for us. So even in our darkest hour, he gives us these opportunities. Once Rahab becomes aware that these men are Israelites and they're spying on the land and, and God is going to give them victory and God's plan is revealed to her. She puts her faith into what these men are saying, that, that the God of the Hebrews is going to destroy this city. So she agrees to help the spies. And we're going to read a little bit about that here in Joshua chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Verse 18, unless... When we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to, to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. We will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood be on his own head, if a hand is laid upon him. So if, if, and if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you have made us swear. So the scarlet cord is, 
is reminiscent. When you think about the scarlet cord, is, is reminiscent for the blood that was applied over the doorpost as when the Israelites were in Egypt and God instructed them to sacrifice a lamb and to place its blood over the doorpost. And that when the death angel passed over, he would see the blood and he would spare the firstborn of that home. Also, we could look into the, the New Testament and we see the same, same picture as the cord is symbolic for the blood of Jesus. See, like Rahab, if you want to step into God's plan, it's through redemption. That's the, that's the only way we enter into his plan, into the fullness of his plan, is through the blood of Jesus. And Rahab entered into God's plan by faith. And tying that scarlet, that scarlet cord was just simply symbolic. That God, yes, he's not going to destroy that home, but she, he would pass over. They would be safe. It's salvation. She, she enters into redemption, into God's story through the blood. And some people think that uh, for whatever reason, one varying degree or another, that if I earn this, if I earn something, this, this is going to make me happier. My life will be more complete if I, maybe if I earn just another degree. Maybe if I get that right job. Maybe if I purchase this home or maybe if I have more stuff. Whatever, whatever it is we're trying to fill our lives with and we're trying to get into God's story, it's, it's, all, in, it's all just not, that's not going to work in God's story. What's going to happen is this. We have to enter into God's story through the blood of Jesus. God has a plan for us and it's only found in Christ. So we can do our own thing and we, we can hope that God will bless it, but that's not the way we're going to enter into God's plan. The only way we enter to God's plan is by faith through Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. To His purpose. Again, it's not a matter of us doing what we want and hoping God will bless it. We've got to enter into His plan. And the only way to enter into His plan is through Jesus. God can take our mess-ups and He can turn them around for His glory. And Rahab, Rahab not only experiences salvation by faith, she also steps into God's story for her life, becoming one of the ancestors of Jesus. And this is what I want you to know. Number two, God's story always has a redemptive ending. God's story always has a redemptive ending. And what's incredible about Rahab's story is this. We, don't, we read about her in Joshua, but we don't read about her again until the New Testament. And we find her in the genealogy of Jesus recorded in Matthew's gospel. And again, we understand that the word of God is inspired. God is inspiring uh, authors to write or, or writers to write. He's the author. But think about this. Why would Matthew mention 42 men and four women? And then why, why those four women in particular? I think God, again, God is, is using the personalities of the writers as well. I mean, think about this. Matthew has his own checkered past as a tax collector. So I believe God, God is inspiring Matthew and just recalling people in the lineage of Jesus. And he selects these four ladies on purpose, not by accident. And I believe God inspiring that uses this for a reason. Check this out. And this boy, I hope you don't ever get bored of the genealogy of Jesus because there's really some great facts that are involved here. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah. And his brothers, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That's an interesting story because Tamar was a Canaanite woman who was married to one of Judah's sons, his oldest son. And the oldest son dies before 
uh, he's able to fulfill his commitment before they're able to have children. So as custom, as he dies, the next son in line marries uh, the widow. So what happens in this story is the second son dies. Well, Judah is a little bit hesitant about giving his youngest son to Tamar. He, he thinks if, if something happens to him, I'll have no sons. So Tamar is kind of a scorned widow. And she's supposed to marry the youngest son. So what she does is she disguises herself as a prostitute. I mean, this is a very dark chapter in, in the history of God. Uh, she, she disguises herself as a prostitute. And then she propositions Judah, her father-in-law, and he doesn't know it's his daughter-in-law because she's wearing a veil. She's playing the part of a prostitute. Well, he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant with twins. And we know it's Perez and Zerah. Perez is in the lineage of Christ, one of his great-great-great-grandfathers. See, if God can redeem very dark chapters throughout the history of his word, then why can't he redeem our stories? Why can't he step in and redeem our stories? Let's continue to go on down. Verses 4 and 5. Ram begot Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. So Boaz was the son of Salmon and Rahab. And if you know the story of Boaz, Boaz is Ruth's kinsman redeemer. It's really an incredible story. And like like Ruth and Rahab both, neither one of them are Jewish. In fact, we know from the story that, that Ruth is a Moabite, but she ends up marrying Boaz, and she becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Let's continue on. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Now, she's not mentioned by name, but we know this is Bathsheba. Her name's not mentioned, but we know from the Word of God that Solomon's mother is Bathsheba. And Bathsheba, we know, have, has an affair with David. She becomes pregnant. And as a result, David has Uriah, one of his mighty men, one of his generals, has him killed in battle, and then he marries the widow. So again, we have these incredible stories throughout God's Word where God uses imperfect people for a perfect plan. And if God can use these people and some of these horrific stories, then why can't he use you and I? Why can't he use us in spite of our past, in spite of what we're going through? See, God wants us to know that he can forgive our darkest sin. God wants us to know that regardless of our past, he has a plan for us. God wants us to know that he can use us for his glory even when we feel forgotten. And God is a healer and he is a restorer of all things. These are promises. These are, these are truths that are revealed in God's word. They do not change. So don't allow your shame to keep you from, from believing God's word and truth. Shame will lie to you every time. If Rahab could come out of the grandstands and cheer us on, if she could run a lap as we run our race of faith, what would she say to us? What, how, should, how would she encourage us? And again, I think she would remind us of this. Take the pen out of your hand and put it into the hand of the author and the finisher of your faith. So how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? Luke 9, 23, I'm just going to use one verse. I think it's, Jesus makes it very clear in this verse. How we take the pen out of our hand and we put it into the hand of the author and finisher of our faith. Verse 23, then he said, Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. 
deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Follow Jesus. So deny yourself. It's not something that we're, we're, we're beating on ourselves, we're, we're torturing ourselves. That's not what it's talking about. It simply means a full and complete surrender. Deny yourself. Turn from your flesh. Turn to Christ. It, it just means a total surrender. Jesus can do all things, and he wants to rewrite your story and write your story for you, but he cannot unless you hand the pen over him, unless you fully surrender. Jesus cannot redeem what we are not willing to surrender to his care and his authority. So just remember that. He calls us to a complete surrender. Coming to Jesus, experiencing redemption, requires a full surrender. And this is where some of us struggle because we don't want to fully give our lives into the hands of God. Again, if we want him to write our story, we've got to put the pen in his hand. Jesus says this also, to daily, to daily take up our cross. And this shows that salvation is not just an experience, it's a process. It's a day-by-day walk with God. And lastly, Jesus says, follow me, follow me, follow my way, and I'll, I'll take you through your darkness of your past, I'll take you out of that, I'll redeem it, and I'll transform it for something glorious. That's God's promise to us. I mean, this is exactly what God did for Rahab, and that's something he can do for you and I. Rahab is no different from you and I. These people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they're not privileged. They're just like you and I. God had a plan for them, and he's got a plan for you. But again, we've got to take the pen out of our hand and put it into the hand of the author and finish of our faith. So if God can do that for these people, he can do it for you and I. Let's look at the very next verse in Luke chapter 9, verse 24. For whoever desires to say, desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And imagine Rahab hearing God was going to destroy Jericho and the walls would come down and all she had to do was tie a scarlet cord out the window and she would be spared, her, her home would be spared. That takes faith. I mean, how on earth could the God of the Hebrews accomplish this? I mean, she, she has no clue who he is and what he's capable of doing, but you know, something in her, God, God was knocking on her heart. God was knocking on her and she knew what these men were sharing was true and she puts her faith in God. So she, this is one of the reasons why she's a faith hero. It, it's not just because she saved the, the lives of the, the spies or covered for them. It's that she put her faith in a God she had knew nothing about except for what these men come and share with her. So this is why she's a faith hero. And Rahab, she didn't lose anything. I mean, couldn't you imagine? She thinks, oh, but if I do this, I'm going to lose everything. But she doesn't. She gains everything. She doesn't lose everything. She gains everything. See, some of us, we don't have that perspective until we fully surrender and we put everything into God's hands. Because what we do is we think we're going to lose something. If, if we truly surrender ourselves to God, then if we put everything in his hand, we're going to lose everything. But we're not. We're going to gain everything. See, that's what happens when we have the wrong perspective when we don't fully submit to God, we don't fully submit our lives into his hands. But once you do that, you have a peace and you understand that God can redeem everything there. You didn't lose everything. You just gained everything. So I want to encourage you just to trust the Lord today. Put your life into his hands. Let, let him do something great in your life. See, we can gain everything if we'll surrender it all to him. So why does God choose Rahab? Well, we can go throughout the God's, God's word and just why does God choose David? I mean, David becomes a murderer and an adulterer. Why does, why does God choose Moses? Moses, also a murderer, and he has a speech impediment. 
Why does God choose Paul? Paul, another murderer. And a man who pens two-thirds of the New Testament. A man who murders Christians. Why would God ever use these people? Here's the answer. And this is why God will use you, you and I, no matter what our circumstances are. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? See, there is no place that you can go that the love of God cannot reach. There's no place you can go that God's love cannot reach. So you can't get away from it. You can be in your darkest moment and God's still going to love you. He still has a plan for you. And remember, redemption is your entry point into God's story for you. If Rahab could come out of the grandstand and she could encourage us as we run our race, as we walk with God, she would encourage us to fully submit ourselves to God, to surrender our lives, to accept God's plan for our life and to serve him. I want to just emphasize this, this point of serving for, for just a moment because I think it's, it's part of God's plan for us that we often miss. We think, well, we give our lives to Jesus and we surrender to him. What does that mean? I don't really know, but I, I said the prayer. I believe, listen, it's from that point, you've got to serve him. And God's got a plan for you. God's got a, a call on your life. He's fashioned some days for you. And he, he wants you to walk in them, but you've got to give him that opportunity. So you've got to serve him. We don't know much about the details of Rahab's life after salvation. But again, we know that she marries a Hebrew named Salmon. And that then from Salmon, they give birth to an incredible man, which is Boaz. And we know from her descendants are all the rightful kings of Israel. I mean, David all the way to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean, again, Rahab's DNA is, is coursing through the bodies of these kings. So Rahab would tell us this. She would encourage us this way. Don't just give your life to Jesus and say that with lip service. Serve him. Serve his plan. He's got a great plan for you. And if you'll surrender your life to him, he'll reveal that plan to you. So when he does that, walk in it. Serve him. God's got a purpose for you. Some of you, you went through very dark chapters in your life. You've been through some very dark things. And God has a redeeming quality. Remember, there's a redeeming purpose. God can redeem that darkness by doing this, he could take your darkness, he can transform it to something glorious so that you can minister and reach someone who has walked through the same darkness that you have. But maybe they're struggling. Maybe in your life you've, you've encountered this darkness, you've walked through some dark times, God's brought you through, you're stronger, and now you can strengthen someone else. See, God's plan always has a redeeming purpose. Paul writes this, and I think it's really just an incredible story. The Apostle Paul, much, much like Rahab, much like these other heroes of faith, Paul just really, he really says it in a, in a really concise manner. But 1 Timothy, verse 1, or chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. It's powerful words. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. Verse 16, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I mean, Paul just articulates it so well. Why? Why? Why, how could God use me? 
Don't allow shame to eliminate you from God's plan. You've went through certain things that God can redeem and God can transform and do something glorious for his kingdom. God's got a plan for you. Serve out those purposes. And there's the redeeming quality is this, that your life is able to minister to other lives. God uses people with a past. God uses people with problems. And you don't have to get your life all straight and perfect before you live out that plan. If that's the case, then I can't be your pastor. I can't be a pastor at all because God's still working on me. And so God's got a plan. And, and just don't forget that there's a redeeming purpose. Don't lose sight of that. Listen, give God the pen of your life. Let him write your story. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to rejoin me on the platform. And they're going to lead us in worship as they lead us, will you consider surrendering the pen of your life, that, that you're writing your story, will you surrender that to God's hand? Will you allow him to take that pen out of your hand, let him write your story? As they lead us, just consider that question. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if you're not a Christian, then, or, or maybe you've, you've walked away from God, you're not serving him, this is a great opportunity. God's knocking on your heart. God's speaking to you. Will you consider putting that pen back in God's hand? Allow him to write your story. If you're born again, but you're not fulfilling his purpose, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you. Let, let me take care of that. Let, put it back into God's hand. I've got a plan for you. Let's get back on track. Remember, through the blood, through Jesus, there's always a path back to redemption. There's always a path back to his plan. So don't allow shame. Don't allow your past. Don't allow things that you've done. To, to close that door. The door is always open for you. So they're going to lead us in worship. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as we worship. And at the close of this, we're going to come back and pray and give you an opportunity just to respond to the message. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I hope this message was a blessing to you. If you are looking for a church home, I want to encourage you to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m or join us Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for our family night. We have ministry opportunities for all ages, children, youth, and adults. Holt Assembly of God is located at 543rd Avenue in Holt, Florida. If you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.holtag.org, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Our phone number is 850-537-8351. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, may God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.